More Bulls Beat Now. Once again, here's Derek Sharp. Bulls aren't the only opponent from the American Athletic Conference hosting a big-time school this weekend. Tulsa is actually getting a visit from the Oklahoma Sooners. That'll be going on while our game is taking place. FAU heads to Clemson, incidentally, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of marquee opponents, and certainly the Bulls are one from the AAC that has an opponent, and everyone's going to be able to see it on ABC. So naturally, what you'll do if you're not at the game is have it on ABC, but mute that and listen to the call of Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington. One thing about listening to Bulls Unlimited on the TuneIn app that hopefully you figured out, but if not, is a really cool feature. Sometimes when you're listening to a broadcast digitally, it's a long delay. I'm not going to say what company, but some you're hearing what happens about 70, 80 seconds actually after it happens. If you listen to Bulls Unlimited on the TuneIn app, the delay is maybe five seconds. So it actually, in many cases, is quicker than the TV feed. How about that? Last night, by the way, the AAC schedule began with two teams actually playing each other from the conference, Memphis hosting Navy, a 28-24 win. The women's soccer conference schedule began last night, so you have the new 12-team look to the AAC on the women's side. There are nine teams on the men's side, and the Bulls were one of the four winners. Two matches ended in 0-0 ties. That's UAB at Charlotte and UTSA at Tulsa, which actually counts as an upset because the Roadrunners are a team that's always near the top of the Conference USA and Tulsa at the bottom of the AAC, so that was noteworthy in its own right. Unfortunately, the Bulls did not fall victim to such a result. You would have expected them to win at Temple, and they did, although the Owls made it interesting with about a half hour left on a kind of iffy call in the penalty box, giving up a penalty kick. Didn't look like calls were going to have anything to do with this as the Bulls had a really quick 2-0 lead. I did not watch all of the match, but I'll tell you right now, and I said it on X on Friday morning, what a great job by the crew at Temple. Sometimes, a lot of times actually, and we won't say who, but it might have been an SEC team that the Bulls played and won early in the regular season out on the women's soccer side. You can tell the announcers are good announcers, but frankly, they're homers, and you're going to get that. You're going to get that because if you're hired by LSU, if you're hired by a team around the league, you want that team to win, and obviously here on Bulls Unlimited, I am very pro-Bull, but what I definitely try and do is do the research on the opponent. And in some games, you can tell the research hasn't been done, and they, especially in soccer, barely even mention a player on the other team. This was just the opposite. The Temple-based crew, Mark Narducci, who has been around Philadelphia sports for a long time, was a color commentator. I was like, I know I recognize that name. And the play-by-play man, Andrew Lufglass, if you were watching from the beginning, it, it sounded like they were a national crew that was just right down the line, didn't care who won. And right when the Bulls got the ball, they said who had the ball. And right when they scored a goal, it's not like they were crying. They were very impressed, and they were very impressive goals. The Bulls scored their first two in the first 10 minutes. Gentiana Fetai, who has been such a big part of their offense, let a shot crank. And actually, she was a big part of both goals, even though she won't get credit for either. As she put it off the goalkeeper's hands, it ricocheted off the top of the bar. And here comes Anna Suter, who has been big for the Bulls. The transfer from UTSA grabs her sixth goal. She had a hat trick in that 
13-0 route against Florida College. So this was against a little bit tougher competition and just showed a closing nose for the score, which she definitely possesses. And then it was a foul against Fatoy, who was looking like she was going to get another big shot off, but she got fouled from behind. And here comes Vivian Bissett, who had those three free kick goals as a freshman, was able to score from about 25 yards out. Kind of put a little dipping action on it, kind of fooled the goalkeeper, gets her second goal of the year. And you figured, here come the goals. Here come the Bulls. That was it. Now they did control play. Worth noting that the wind was favoring them in the first half, so it wasn't surprising that they had the halftime lead. They outshot Temple 10-3, to but the Owls put some pressure on, and the Bulls had to earn it, especially when Temple got to within a goal. Off a corner kick, the TV replay didn't really give you a great look at it, but you did see a Temple player fall to the ground. Usually that stuff that happens in the middle of a corner kick gets not called a PK unless it's really obvious, and it did, and it was a very well-taken penalty by Nicole Sweeney, and there was about 27 minutes left, but the Bulls really stood strong for this one. Outshot Temple 19-9. It's an Owls team that doesn't score a ton of goals, although they'd gotten two in their previous game, so you figured the Bulls could hang on to the lead. They did Temple 1-5-3. and three. The Bulls are now 4-4. Four and four in the conference and interesting to note that the sophomore transfer did play goal for the Bulls and made some quality saves. We're talking about Lele Galiak and I would anticipate that she is the Bulls starting goalkeeper going forward. Their next match, in fact their next three matches, will be at Corbett Soccer Stadium. We'll wait a week for their second conference matchup against Charlotte, which again got started last night by putting up a scoreless draw. Charlotte is 3-3-3 three, three, and three on the season. The other teams to pick up victories, East Carolina was very impressive, holding FAU, which is a strong squad and now a member of the American, to no shots. Pirates outshoot them 11 to nothing in a one nothing win. Memphis, which is far and away the favorite to win the league and has been so good against a schedule loaded with power opponents. The Tigers are number 14 in the country. They improved to 6-1 now. North Texas gave a good account of itself, but Memphis wins that game 2 nothing. How about SMU? The team that, again, has been playing a tough schedule now is 5-2 and two after putting up a six spot. Welcome to the American, Rice. SMU scored six goals all in the first half and wins that game. Six to three. Another note on the game last night, both Suter and Fatoy had five shots each. They are the Bulls leaders in those two categories. Also, Cena Mark Vartson was pulled in the 13th minute. I went back and watched. Didn't look like a serious injury. It's got to be an injury. She's a starter for the Bulls, and they were ahead 2-0. You don't pull your defensive starter 12 minutes into a shutout unless she's hurt, and it looked like she might have jammed up her ankle. I'll try and get word on that and share it with you guys, but didn't look like anything serious, but Certainly keeping an eye on because she's one of those players, Cena, that is so underappreciated, not by the team or by anybody who watches the team, but maybe from a statistical angle. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. The men's soccer match, we'll have it for you on Sunday night, 7 o'clock, Bulls against Elon. The Phoenix made the NCAA tournament last year. They were actually better than that Hofstra team in the Colonial, the Hofstra team that the Bulls played in the NCAA. But this year, Elon off to just a 1-2-2 two, and two start. Only win was in their second game against Jacksonville. They have a 4-0 loss to Stony Brook. That was Stony Brook's only win of the season. They've tied their last two. High Point actually led Elon 2-0 before the Phoenix came back. So this is kind of a pivotal game for both teams trying to get a win. Now, actually, Elon is already 
with a loss and a tie in conference play. For whatever reason, the Colonial gets it going a little bit earlier. And the American actually does get it going tonight. What a matchup between SMU and Memphis. But since there are nine teams in the league, one is going to be the odd team out as far as conference play goes, and that would be the Bulls. Again, playing Elon at home on Sunday night. Volleyball has three matches, two today, one tomorrow, at North Florida in Jacksonville. Now, I have made the trip to call these early season, for example, at DeLand at FGCU situations for the Bulls, but Jacksonville's just a little far of a drive, and then a 7.30 Friday night matchup. When am I getting home? 2 a.m., no thanks. Getting ready for the Alabama broadcast, so we'll be keeping an eye on this. But we'll definitely be back on the microphone for the Bulls' return to action at home next Wednesday against Tulane. Last week, the Bulls had four match points against South Dakota. If they had won that, they'd be 4-4 four and four right now. Instead, they're 3-5. and five. But I think there's a chance to sweep these. Won't be easy, but if they do, they'll go above 500. It's exactly what UNF did last week, by the way. They went from 3-5 and five to 5-4, five and four, sweeping three matches at home. In fact, UNF has swept its last three home events, so that's nine in a row when they're hosting these non-conference situations. But 9-0 and is also the all-time advantage that the Bulls have over the Ospreys in volleyball, so which of those is going to come to an end? I know which one I'm voting for. First, though, they play South Carolina Upstate in the afternoon, another 5-4 and four squad. But if you dig a little deeper, they do kind of remind me of IUPUI, which was well below 500 last year and kind of got off to a fast start against maybe a weaker schedule, and you saw the Bulls swept the Jaguars last week. Well, South Carolina Upstate was 6-23 and 23 last year. Then again, they have a new head coach, so could be a different squad. Alabama A&M with the Bulls play Saturday morning. Just one win on the season. And we finish up the show with an update. The second cross-country meet is in the books for South Florida. And a couple of freshmen helped lead the women's team today to a seventh-place finish in Gainesville, the Mountain Dew Invitational, the Mark Bostic Golf Course Board. By the way... The winner, as a team, was Florida by four points over Vandy, then a 20-point drop-off to Georgia Tech, then kind of everybody else. But Allison Wilson won the race by nearly 20 seconds. The Gator Jr. ran about a a five-and-a-half-minute mile across the three-mile course. The Bulls were in seventh out of the 14 schools, and two freshmen were in the top 50, led by Delaney Stevens, 18 minutes and six seconds. She is from Port Orange, and Marlo Hibbler was a freshman from Fort Lauderdale, was right on 50th place, running three miles in 18 minutes and 31 seconds, so six and a half minutes, a pace at which I would certainly perish of a heart attack. Kelly Lynch, the junior, was in the middle of them, 43rd, rounding out the Bulls. Team score, sophomore Haley Cohen and junior Sidney Granick. For the men, a 7,800-meter course, which is oddly specific. It's basically nearly five miles, where North Florida, dominated. Well, Georgia Tech was right behind. Then there was a huge drop-off to Florida. UNF had five finishers, all in the top 10, led by Aiden O'Gorman, who ran, again, nearly five miles in 24 minutes. For South Florida, ninth out of 15 squads. Three top 50 finishers as well, even though Jonathan Reed was technically 58th in the race. Some of the runners were unattached to school, so for points purposes, he was 49th. A sophomore, Tyler Wadsworth, Pace the Bulls in 35th place, 25 minutes and 16 seconds, again for nearly shy of five miles, four seconds behind him, was a freshman, Jackson Dravo. So cross-country performed this morning, and Sunday the women's golf season starts off, made the NCAA tournament last year for the first time in more than a decade, gets it going at the Badger Invitational, and you guessed it, Madison, Wisconsin, 15 teams, including the host, along with a couple other from the Big Ten, IU, 
and Rutgers, one other from the state of Florida, UNF, one other from the conference, UTSA. The starting lineup has been unveiled by head coach Erica Brennan. No surprise, MG is number one, Leo Medeiros. Number two, familiar name, Elise Vidal in the starting lineup. And then two newcomers, Emma Falcher, apparently nicknamed Fauci, the freshman from France, and Alyssa Montgomery, a graduate transfer from VaTech. It's a three-round event, first round Sunday, so we'll discuss how they do on Monday's program. That'll wrap up the Friday show. Hey, let's beat Bama. I'm Derek Sharp.